Goosebumps won't go down, boys. This is wild, man. Wow. Chicago's own CM Punk. The hometown hero has come home after seven years. He's back amongst his AEW family. And his family here in Chicago. Welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And whoo, boy, what a weekend it was in professional wrestling. Um, I hadn't been this excited since um, the start of AEW, and it was going to be like head-to-head with NXT, and like the wrestling wars were going to start again, you know. In terms of like there being competition on both sides, and this was going to be tremendous for the fans. That was what two years ago, almost three, I want to say. But this weekend totally surpassed it, and it was all because of one individual. CM Punk is back in professional wrestling. We'll get to that. That is the main event of this show. This episode is titled Best in the World. That's what it's going to be about when we talk about it. In the main event later on. But. (laughs) WWE had their second biggest show. Of the year on Saturday. Which was completely overshadowed. With everything that happened with CM Punk. 
and on AEW Rampage on Friday night. Um, but they, this was billed as their, like, uh, this was really going to be like their WrestleMania this year, right? Because we're still coming out of this pandemic. Mania this year was in Tampa. It was in April. There was bad weather. Um, they were only allowed like 20,000 to 25,000 people in Raymond James Stadium, the, the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it was still kind of like a can't really operate at full capacity. And at this point where we're at, you know, we're, we're dealing with rising cases and the Delta variant and all of that. But we're back to, like, full capacity uh, for mostly everything. You know, people are, are out there still wearing their masks and whatnot. So SummerSlam was held at the Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. That's the brand new stadium. Awesome stadium. Uh, just by the look of it, I can't wait to hopefully visit it one day. Um, that's the home of the, the Raiders so fairly new brand new stadium um and they sold out this thing i think they basically sold around 45,000 tickets um WWE on its television presentation built it as 51,000 but that's inaccurate you know i follow the correct people um that cover this stuff accurately and it was about 45,000 but still Way more than WrestleMania. So they were going to treat this more as like the biggest event of the year. And that was headlined by Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against a returning John Cena. Now, John Cena is kind of like left already mostly full time to do like movies in Hollywood. And, you know, he's a big commodity. Uh, I've dubbed this the year of John Cena. And I still believe that even though the couple of weeks ago the suicide squad didn't really perform up to expectations but he was fantastic in the movie he's got so many great projects lined up uh still some more stuff to come from him this year um i think he's got a new movie out on friday on hulu called vacation friends i'm going to be checking that out and i'll probably review it for you guys on this podcast but that's uh that's a topic for another for another day so yeah you bring back john cena for your biggest show of the year in WWE's eyes, right? Because this is the the biggest crowd that they're going to have probably all year. Um, so in my head, after this CM Punk thing happened on Rampage, I was like, dude, like, there's just no way. I know Vince McMahon has stated in his most recent um, like conference call and media call with like the with the investors and all that. And he was asked about, you know, AEW and, and competition and all that. And he kind of, like, really, like, ignored it and didn't really acknowledge it. You know, kind of, like, just, like, you know, we're focused on what we're doing. We don't know what they're doing. But come on, guy. Like, I know Vince McMahon. I know the type of competitor, how petty he is and how he wants to be the top dog and always wants to just, you know, destroy anything in his way. He's got to know all the buzz right now and all the momentum that AEW has been gaining and now that they've landed CM Punk which was a huge like loss for a lot of wrestling fans when he left in 2014 there's been a huge build up for it like this was a guy that fans genuinely loved including myself like i was super bummed when he left that kind of like took a lot of the the wind out of my sails as far as like enjoying WWE fully because he was trying to bring a different flavor to it, trying to bring WWE more to the modern era of wrestling. He was 
he was really trying to be a voice for change. And I've been recently watching a lot of his stuff back on the network uh, after he you know, laid out that infamous pipe bomb promo. And if you watch a lot of those segments, like he's stating a lot of stuff that's like come to fruition now. Like it's amazing how ahead of it he was and how just so much of a trailblazer that he was during that time. So the fact that WWE ran him out of town in 2014, like was just a huge blow for a lot of the diehard wrestling fans, you know, the, you know, the occasionally like people like myself, I kept watching and, you know, but it, it wasn't the same. And, you know, we've had good moments here and there and we've had a couple of superstars break through and uh, some that I've grown to really love. But, you know, overall as a product, like WWE just really, really lost its way. So when news broke of this back in, I want to say, Mid-July, this was around the time when I was going to go see AEW Dynamite in Dallas when I visited my buddy Eli. And news broke about a potential return of CM Punk to wrestling. Uh, credit to Sean Sapp over at Fightful.com. I follow all of his stuff. He's a tremendous, tremendous uh, reporter on all this uh, backstage news and anything wrestling related. He's really on top of everything. Uh, he broke this story. And uh, this guy doesn't lie or mislead when when publishing something like he really gets to the bottom of it. So I really took it serious. Like, oh, man, this could finally be it. CM Punk could finally be coming back to wrestling. Fans have been clamoring for it for years. His name has been chanted at shows like for years and years and years, you know, out of protest, out of rebellion, out of whatever. So I knew if he ever made a return to pro wrestling, it it was going to be a big deal. And, um, so that new story broke and it was like, it was making the rounds. It was gaining buzz on social media and, uh, you know, even different outlets were reporting it. Like, you know, the big leagues, like, you know, the ESPNs, you know, it wasn't just wrestling outlets reporting this. It was all over like mainstream media. And, uh, the, the question was like, is it true or not? And AEW really played its cards right. Uh, and in the way they did it. So they have some shows coming up in Chicago, right? That are leading up to their next pay-per-view. They're all going to be in Chicago. They all instantaneously sold out. And, um, and it's because AEW is such a, on such a high roll right now that they're just such a hot product. Everybody wants to go to those shows. I mean, I can tell you, I went to two of them back to back weeks. Crowds were just unbelievably hot for the entire thing. I have never been to like a wrestling show where, Everybody was just that enthusiastic about a a wrestling show. Just everything was tremendous, top to bottom. So I knew people were wanting to get their hands on these tickets, and especially in the Chicago market, like wrestling, it, it, they're a good wrestling city. So all those shows sold out. So on an episode of Dynamite, CEO and creator Tony Khan announced a new live event, and. It was going to be the Rampage show, which is the second one that just debuted two weeks ago. And they announced that it was going to be a live event. And it was going to be held at the United Center in Chicago. And the first... And I wasn't the only one, but like everybody's like, holy shit, like the United Center. Like, that's a pretty big-ass arena. It's a basketball arena for the Chicago Bulls. That has to be CM Punk. You don't announce a Friday one-hour wrestling TV show live 
at the United Center if you're not going to have something big for that show. And immediately after they announced it, the entire audience in that Dynamite episode started chanting for CM Punk. Like, everybody knew. And kudos to AEW for not, you know, advertising one bit of it. They never mentioned his name. All they did was give out hints, like his his moniker, Best in the World. That was mentioned um, on the television show of Dynamite. Other wrestlers were giving out subtle hints. MJF um, did one of his promos on that show and made reference to CM Punk. Not by name, but just like to stuff that he's done in the past. And it's like, okay, cool. Like they're doing all these little very, very subtle hints like it has to be true, right? And uh, and again, I'm, I'm going on this already on this punk tangent. That's coming up also in the main event. But so let me circle it back, right? So Vince McMahon, he's aware of this. He's got to be right. And that was, you know, it could not be any more obvious than what transpired at SummerSlam on Saturday. So we saw two huge returns at the pay per view. And both of them were, like, not even on the map. Like, they weren't even scheduled to happen. So that just goes to show you this, for the most part, was a reactionary thing. So the first one I'm going to talk about, even though this one happened at the end of SummerSlam, was Brock Lesnar. And he came out to confront Roman Reigns. Spoilers for those of you that didn't see SummerSlam. Uh, my boy John Cena got beat. You know, whatever. He's going to go film movies. Uh, I'm sure we'll see Cena back at some point, probably closer to WrestleMania. So, but... We'll miss him in WWE. He's solely needed, but you know he's he's already past that part of his life. So he's in the next chapter of his life, which is movies. Good for him. He carried that company for so long. I don't blame him. I'm not like, and he's like so loyal to WWE that you know the, he didn't have to come back and do this little run that he did in the summer, um, because you know he's had such a busy, busy schedule doing movies and press and all that stuff. But he still took time. To come out and do a little mini WWE run. You know, he was working house shows and Raws and SmackDowns and, you know, and the pay-per-view, of course, SummerSlam. So kudos to him. Like, to me, that already makes him way and above beyond The Rock. Like, The Rock, it took him, like, seven years to come back before he, you know, decided to step foot and, you know, say hello to the audience again. The wrestling fans in WWE. So, Cena already doing that, like, puts him way above The Rocks. But that's just a personal thing. But whatever. So... He lost. Brock Lesnar comes out. Huge ovation. You know, he's got a beard and ponytail and, you know, crowds cheering him on. So it looks like he's going to play like the babyface role. And he confronts Roman Reigns to end the show. He backs off. Lesnar, you know, stands tall at the end of that show. And news that I'm reading about, and this is, of course, I trust like the people that I follow, like as far as like dropping. All, like it's not just some whatever wrestling site that just throws out some rumors sometimes without any real credibility. Like I really follow like the smart people that follow this business and get the right sources. So the plan was eventually down the line to bring Brock Lesnar back to do a program with Roman Reigns. But the fact that they fast tracked it to now, like I think this was planned for like 2023 even. So <laughs> That goes to show you how much of a reactionary uh, decision this was by Vince McMahon to move it up now because CM Punk, a legit, he's probably the biggest star right now in all of wrestling. If you take into account like 
the anticipation to build the way he sold out a whole ass arena without based on just a rumor of him possibly being there that just goes to show you he's the biggest draw right now now whether of the moment right whether it happens down the line and we look at trends and all that stuff that remains to be seen but right now this moment cm punk is the biggest thing in all of wrestling and that that's not a lie that's not like prisoner of the moment that's just fact like their Friday show, that Rampage show, drew 1.1 million viewers, okay? And this is a show that aired at 10 o'clock. Well, 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Over here, like where I'm at, it aired at 9. But it's still, like, it's such a it's such a bad time slot because it's Friday night. That's usually when you all go out, you know, if you're young, you know, you're out clubbing at the bars, whatever. If you've got family, you're out doing family nights, dinners, restaurant. And the the... The premiere episode of Rampage drew 740,000 viewers. So for to go from that to 1.1 million viewers just for CM Punk alone, that was the the huge draw. And again, he wasn't advertised and that show drew 1.1 million viewers. Like I know for those of you that are listening to this show and like only paid attention to like ratings back in the day where you're like, "Well, that's nowhere near what the Attitude Era did." Yeah, you're right, but we're also in a very different time now where like, you know, you got streaming now and cord cutting and, and television ratings aren't what they used to be. But for numbers like that, and you look at the key demographics is, and I know a lot of demo talk has been circling the rounds ever since AEW came into the picture, but it's actually really what's always been looked at as far as like what's popular on television, what, uh, you know, gets renewed and all that. And, Wrestling now is starting to show up like in the top five like every week. And we haven't seen that since the days of like the Attitude Era with WCW and WWF at the time. So wrestling, while not as like super popular in the mainstream, is still like pretty much in the mainstream. And Punk drawing that number for AEW, like he's the biggest fucking star right now in wrestling. like, And he's the biggest star in AEW. This is the biggest thing that could have ever happened to them. And it's only going to be positive, and we're going to see what the fo- again. Now it's all about the follow up. What are they going to do? So, um, so yeah. So again, circling back to Vince McMahon and Brock Lesnar, and and them reacting and bringing Brock back early. Um, so that's number one, right? So number two, um, this one's a tricky one because we're we're all still trying to to find out what's going on. So. Last weekend, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair were pulled off of house shows. You know, WWE still, you know, they're starting to tour again and they're doing all these super shows with both the brands. And they were pulled off those shows for like, un- like whatever circumstances were like, they didn't say what it was. And everyone started to wonder, well, will this, is this match going to happen? Usually when you're pulled off or something like that. Just by what we've been seeing currently in today's trends, like you're thinking, like, oh, did they get COVID? Like, because right immediately they were removed, and um, so during the week, you know, they're they're continuing to promote this match and promote this match on television, commercials, all that stuff. Okay, hey, what's going on? Like, we still haven't heard anything. I think by like Wednesday or Thursday, it was said that Bianca Belair was cleared for whatever, but Sasha Banks wasn't. So like, okay, well, still, what's going on? Um, we come to the Friday SmackDown show the same night as CM Punk on Rampage. And um, Bianca Belair's on the show, but Sasha Banks is nowhere to be seen. But again, they're still promoting 
the match. Like, as if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And the people that I'm following are also still trying to figure out, oh, this is freaking weird. Like, what's going on? Like, is it not going to happen or not? Um, so we come to the show Saturday. And even then, they're promoting it on their kickoff show. They're promoting it throughout the day. And we finally come to the point where the match is going to happen. And I was, you know, live tweeting on Twitter uh, my thoughts on the show. And I was the people that I follow, uh, one of the guys reported, I think it was from WrestlingInc.com, um, that Sasha Banks wasn't cleared and wasn't going to be on the show. So it's like, well, they're still promoting the match. What the fuck's going on? Uh so they bring out Bianca Belair. They they put out the whole video package for this match, all the hype and leading up into it. Bianca Belair comes out, and then all of a, all of a sudden, just the ring announcer goes, "Oh, Sasha! By the way, Sasha Banks is not cleared and won't be here tonight." And it's like you see the entire audience in Allegiant Stadium, like just like you can see the life sucked out of it. Like what? Like you falsely advertise a match all the way up to the video package. So anyways, like, Bianca Belair is standing there, and, you know, she's just like, well, what the hell's going on? They announce a replacement for her, and they say it's going to be Carmella, which is a wrestler who has wrestled Bianca Belair, I don't know how many times already, freaking Raw and SmackDown are, like, the same matches every week, so they've fought in each other, like, a million times. She comes out, crowd immediately boos and starts to shit on it, and, uh... And here, and here we go. Here's where we get to point number two. My girl, Becky Lynch's music hits. Crowd goes ape shit crazy. This is the return I have been waiting for personally. Other than punk, punk was like a last minute surprise because we didn't know if he was ever going to come back to wrestling. So it was all just like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Like it was one of those. I, I, I won't believe it until I see it. And it finally did. But for me, like, knowing somebody that was eventually going to come back was Becky Lynch. Now, she had left on maternity leave. She was going to go be a, a mom. And, uh, but we didn't know how long she was going to be out. Is this going to be the end? Like, the last time I talked about her was in an episode called uh, uh, Becky's Last Dance. And in the promo that she gave on Monday Night Raw when she relinquished the championship was like, she didn't know if she was going to be the man anymore and she was just going to go be a mom and like there was a little uncertainty there but you know there's been teases all over all over ever ever since she had her child and her training and photos of her training and she would even troll us on social media by you know posting pictures of herself at like certain events and like we were all wondering like okay is this the event where she's going to pop up and whatnot so it's like it was all just a matter of when it was going to happen and then the the, the people I follow had reported that we probably weren't going to see her until October, which is when they're going to hold the WWE draft and they're going to start to shift and, you know, reshuffle the rosters. But lo and behold, her music pops up and, like, I'm watching SummerSlam with my girls and we lose it. You know, even my youngest daughter was like, well, when's Becky Lynch going to come back? Like, that's what she's waiting for. And, like, that happened and we're all losing it. We're going crazy. And um, so she's back. Like, holy crap. Like, they... They pull and I and I said this on social media on my Facebook page. I said with this CM Punk thing, I said watch them pull the trigger on Becky Lynch. And even though I I made that call on my social media, I still like was surprised when she came out. Like it's still as a fan, it still like shocked me. And like and that's what you want, right? Like it got that uh, emotion that 
that WWE wants you to wants you to to have for for these situations. So I popped super hard for her, and she comes out and it's like crazy. Place is going crazy, and uh, she comes out, beats the shit out of Carmella, throws her out of the ring. You know, tells Bianca Belair, "I'll be with you in just a second." Beats the shit out of her some more, gets in the ring. And says, hey, like, let's tear the roof off this place. I want a shot at the SmackDown Women's Championship. I'm like, oh, my God. Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch is a dream match for me. That's a matchup I've been wanting to see forever. Bell rings. Becky goes for the handshake. Bianca Belair accepts. Becky cheap shots her in the face. Whatever. I'm marking out because it's Becky Lynch. That's my girl. Um, She does her manhandle slam, which is kind of like a, a version of the rock bottom a little bit. Pins Bianca one two three, and Becky Lynch is the SmackDown Women's Champion out of nowhere. I'm conflicted on this a little bit because I love Becky Lynch tremendously. I want her to be the champion, of course, but the way this was done, the way it all played out, was like, man, this was so reactionary, and I know it's because of this the CM Punk thing because you could have had. You could have had whatever that that match between Carmel and Bianca, even though it's been done like to death. But you can have her like beat her in like three minutes, whatever. Have Zelina Vega come out, beat the shit out of uh, Bianca. They're both double teaming on her. Have Becky come and make the save. Huge baby face pop to the rescue. Like those are always the best moments in wrestling. You know the returns where like they come to save the day. Like especially when they haven't seen you in a long time. You know, think back to Stone Cold Steve Austin Backlash two thousand. Came and saved the rock from like the corporation. Like, like that was freaking like top five wrestling moment ever. Like, those are the, always the best. Those will always get me to pop the hardest. So, you could have done that, right? And you could have teased, like, eventually down the line, Bianca and Becky Lynch will meet for this championship. But at least you have that moment where they can team up together, you know, beat up on the bad guys and then leave the fans like super happy while. Bianca Belair doesn't get hurt as being champion. Now, them doing this, now everyone's going to say that she got buried or whatever. And, you know, given WWE's track record, I don't blame you. You have every right to feel the way you want to feel about that because they don't have a good track record, uh, at least in modern times. But I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. Now, the reason why I'm not worried is because the women's division is much smaller than the men's, even though there are a lot of women's wrestlers. They just never use them. So everyone's like, oh, my God, this is like Kofi Kingston all over again. It's like, no, 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 no. Hang on. Kofi Kingston, like, I never liked him as WWE champion. I'm sorry. That's a hot take, but, you know, I never I never liked him. It was the same shtick. Like, he didn't evolve the character. He didn't do anything. Um, so he got he when he lost the title he went right back into the mid card division and you know plays the same geek every week with Xavier Woods the New Day whatever people like that cool but it's goofy to me like I don't like it I'm over it. There's so many other wrestlers on that on the men's side that where you can you know just move on and put a different contender there. In the women's division, I don't think Bianca Belair is going to go away that quickly into like that type of role. Now, what Bianca Belair has going for her is, like, not only her amazing athletic ability and her her wrestling, uh, you know, just her whole talent. She can talk on the mic. Like, she's a really good talker. She's probably one of the best, 
you know, female talkers outside of like a, a Becky Lynch. You know, I, I'll put Sh- Sh- uh, Sh- Sasha Banks up there. Although I might give Bianca a little bit more credit as to being a stronger talker. Like, you know, she's very like, you know, she never stumbles over her words. Like she knows exactly who she is and what she's saying. So I think she's going to be able to battle back from this. She may be able to get the fans on her side and 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 uh, grow and elevate her character and have her chase the title. Um, but here's the thing that makes this all super weird, right? So it came out, and again, this is the, the people that I trust and the people that I follow. And who knows, this could change during the week because we're, as I'm recording this on a late Tuesday night, like, this could possibly change because it's the dumbest fucking idea ever. But it's coming out that WWE is turning Becky Lynch heel. And not only that, but it's supposedly coming from Becky Lynch herself that this is her idea. And this is where, like, I face palm and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, do we not learn from history? One of my favorites of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin. There was a time in his career where he thought, like, he was getting stale as a babyface, even though he was the biggest fucking thing ever in pro wrestling. And he wanted to turn heel. And every everybody remembers WrestleMania 17, right? Austin Rock, Houston Astrodome, the greatest WrestleMania ever to a lot of people. It's debatable. Um, but at the end of that, every, what everybody forgets at the end of that event is that Stone Cold turns into a villain by aligning himself with Vince McMahon. And, you know, it didn't work on that night, right? Because they're in Houston, Texas. They're going to cheer Austin in whatever it is that he does. So whatever. Fans go with it, even though a lot of people are, like, in the audience being all weird about it. Even I was like, this is weird. But, yeah, Steve Austin, yeah. I wanted him to be the champion so bad he was my favorite. But in the back of my mind, I was like, this is this is just so odd. And I thought it was going to be a swerve. And I thought maybe he just used Vince McMahon so he can get the title and he was going to turn on him. And no, and he actually went into like this actual bad guy character. Not like this anti, not the way the original Steve Austin character came up. Like post the, the Austin 316 speech where he was just like, didn't give a damn about anybody. Like he would beat up good guys and bad guys. But that's why fans started to rally behind him because he was just so the perfect anti-hero. But this wasn't that. Like he was actually going to be playing a, a villainous role where he was a coward and you know, would, you know, back off, like, guys like Chris Jericho. I mean, you know, I love Chris Jericho and all, but would Stone Cold Steve Austin ever be afraid of Chris Jericho in character? Hell no. But, he, you know, he's acting scared of him, you know, stuff like that. He was, he actually wanted to turn into a heel. And while he performed great at it, like, he was great in the performance and the character and all that stuff, business, business-wise, it was the worst decision that could have ever been done. And that's why everybody always marks... WrestleMania 17 as the end of the Attitude Era because after that business like really started to fall off and people like were just turned off by not that was the that that was the major reason you know the Rock left and all these other different factors but you know you have Stone Cold Steve Austin your biggest attraction in the history of the company and you let him go through with turning himself heel and agreeing with it like if I was Vince I would have like nah we're not doing that like sorry bro like there's just too much money on the line too much merchandise sales on the line like no we're not gonna do this so he ended up doing it and like it just things with steve austin were just never the same after that like yeah he eventually turned back into you know the old stone cold but it just wasn't the same because he had that weird 
heel turn that he decided he wanted to do. And in hindsight, as he talks, he's talked about it multiple times now through interviews and whatnot. He's talked about like how much of regret he has doing that. So now we circle back to 2021. Becky Lynch is by far the biggest superstar that they've created post like, you know, a CM Punk or a Daniel Bryan. Like, and this is like a female, like the first time ever, like you have a female at the top of your company, merchandise sales. She's the one like, main eventing slots like she was she was probably the biggest reason that wrestlemania got to be the main event you know ronda rousey played a huge part in that but you know you had to have the story right and becky lynch was a huge driver for that story and she was the biggest thing in wrestling for a while like and i think she still is like the everybody was was anticipating her return and it was like off the charts on saturday it was incredible not to the level of cm punk like that was just that was not out of body, like just in another stratosphere, like type of amazing. But still, like Becky Lynch is like the best thing that WWE has going for them. And if this is her idea to turn heel, if it's to elevate other talent, I get it. But right now you have to think in terms of a business product and the competition starting to grow with AEW, like can't really afford, you know, to repeat itself. Like not that WWE is going to go out of business if they go through with this plan or they're going to fall off like they are falling off but their their revenue and all that is too strong like they're they're, there's no way they're going to go out of business at least not in the next like five seven years you know those tv deals are so strong but if i'm vince mcmahon and if i'm like if anybody in wwe like high up in the high brass is on social media and all that stuff and i know social media is not the real world but there's a very real vocal community on in, in wrestling, like the diehards, like that just know stuff is bad when they see it. Like, this is a bad idea. Like, even if Becky Lynch pulls it off, right? Like, just like Steve Austin did, like, as I mentioned, like 2001, like, was the decline of business. But the way I remember 2001, viewing it in my age at the time, like, it was like, this is still freaking awesome. Like, Steve Austin, like, is the greatest heel character ever. And even rewatching it, you know, having the network. And watched it throughout the years. Rewatched it uh, not too long ago. I, I went through the whole thing again, and I was like, "This is fun." Like it's, you know, obviously it's not as bad as it is now, but like it was still like cool. But for business wise, it was a bad decision. So if I'm WWE, and if anybody's listening to this or any higher ups, like if there's some way you can convince her that this is going to be a bad idea. And who knows if it's even going to work because when they tried to do this the first time uh, a couple years ago, and this is how the whole Becky Lynch, like, the man thing all started, was because they tried to turn her into a heel, but the fans revolted and weren't going to have any of it. So they had no choice. Like, the fans overcame the booking. Now, is this going to be the same thing? Or is there going to be sympathy for Bianca Belair? Because I don't think... People aren't mad at Becky Lynch. They're mad at the booking. They're mad at what WWE did in terms of like the storyline. So I don't, th- I don't think there's any way this is going to work. I think Becky Lynch is still too hot. Like she's going to get cheered. You might get some boos, but the boos aren't really going to be directed towards her. It's more towards the management. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I want to see how it's going to play out. Again, SmackDown is on Friday and she's advertised to be there. And so is Brock Lesnar. This is probably one of the most anticipated episodes of SmackDown that I can ever remember. And again, 
if you're frustrated and you're mad how everything played out, like I get it, I totally understand it, and you have every right to feel that way. But me personally, me as a fan, and I like me and my fandom for Becky Lynch, I do want to see how this unfolds. And if it's shit right away, I'll call it out. Like if it's bad, it's bad. Like I'm not some biased mark. Like I will admit if if it's not good, and like they'll need to. I'll, I'll say like they need to change course. Like this is no bueno. But what the interesting thing out of all of this is that if it's if it's her idea and if it's something creatively that she wants to challenge herself and do it, like I get it. But there's a time and a place. Like we can slowly build to that, not right out the gate. Like it's just not going to work. Like you just came back, you were gone for so long, and the product has been really bad and, and has been missing stardom like a Becky Lynch. So they're not going to boo you right away. Like there's just no way. I just, I don't see it happening. But anyways, that's WWE's reaction to CM Punk this weekend. Even though it worked out, it worked out in all of our favors, no? Like, even though, despite some of the bad booking, like, we have Brock Lesnar back, we have Becky Lynch back. Like, that's star power in WWE. That's what it needs right now. Like, it's been solely missing. There's fans back in attendance. Now we can just get the creative going, but we know that's like... It's almost at a lost cause, but there's some superstars that can overcome it, like a Becky Lynch and a Brock Lesnar. We'll see what happens. But, you know, again, if you're mad, frustrated, you're pissed off how this all played out. Oh, they ruined Becky Lynch. They ruined the return. I get it. I feel you. You have every right to feel that way. Me, just me personally, from my point of view, I'm going to wait to see how it plays out. But again... I will call it out if it's shit. And, I, and I'm not afraid to criticize WWE. I'm not some a, AEW mark or some WWE stan only. Like, I want all of wrestling to be good. Like, I'm not some gatekeeper, okay? Like, if I could introduce more people into this, like, I hope all of my posts on CM Punk is getting people interested. Or some people are like, hey, like, what's this CM Punk thing about? Like, if I could bring in more people into my world, I would do it. Like, that's... I'm not, like... Like, you look at, like, a lot of the comic book fans, especially, like, the Marvel diehards. Like, a lot of those are gatekeepers. Like, they think you're stupid if you don't know stuff that's going on. Like, no, like, educate the non, the people that don't know about it. Like, don't you want your product to grow? Like, why do you, why do you want to be so gatekeeping and secret about it? Like, no, I don't want that. When it comes to me and wrestling, like, if somebody wants to learn and wants to watch or wants to know who somebody is, like, hell yeah. I, I welcome that with open arms every single time. So I want to see how this is going to play with Becky Lynch. It's going to be very interesting. And I cannot wait for SmackDown. I can't wait for Dynamite tomorrow. CM Punk is now officially advertised. Everyone was looking at the Rampage numbers, including myself and what they did. But now the fact that CM Punk is actually advertised, he's in commercials, he's in ads all over social media for this Dynamite show. That's the rating that's going to be we're going to be looking at. Is CM Punk going to be the needle mover for AEW to get them over that hump to start you know, really raising the bar. Monday Night Football's approaching. Is Raw going to dip? And same thing for SmackDown. You know, I know you got Becky Lynch and and Brock Lesnar back, but will that be able to sustain? You know, you're not going to have John Cena anymore, and he was a lot of the driving factor with uh, with ratings, with uh, ticket sales at shows. So you're not going to have that factor anymore. So. WWE is really going to have to come up with something. And again, if they're going to go this route with Becky Lynch as a heel, 
I don't know. I'm just saying. I gave you a whole history lesson there, folks. For those of you that I know, a lot of you don't like wrestling sometimes when I'm when I talk about it, but giving you a little history lesson. So if we, if we don't learn from the past, what is, what's that cliche? We're doomed to repeat it. So we'll see. But anyways, let's take a break. I went on this huge rant here, but we still got CM Punk to talk about, and I also want to do kind of like a top five of his of my personal favorite matches of his as we gear up towards his return to in-ring at AEW's All Out Live on Pay-Per-View, Sunday, September 5th. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show and AEW's All Out Pay-Per-View coming September 5th. It's going to be in just a few weeks, so all roads lead to that. need to find me a co-host to preview that show because that's going to be huge. And let's get to the reason why, the main event of the show. Let's let's circle back. We've been talking about it all episode long, but CM Punk officially made his debut in All Elite Wrestling this past Friday night in Rampage to a sold-out United Center in Chicago, Illinois, a building that sold out without ever having to mention his name, only based on rumor that he might appear. So everybody was fantasy booking this thing in their heads. Like, how are they going to do it? Like, what's going to happen? Like, is he going to, you know, cut cut a promo and somebody interfere? And that sets up the match for him coming back into the ring. And now AEW did the most simple thing you could possibly do with a crowd that was so passionate. And Chicago is like a super passionate wrestling city. But even like a million times more when it's for CM Punk. You think back to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in 2011. Let me give you guys a little history lesson here. So this was this was the pay-per-view event where it was supposed to be CM Punk's final night in WWE. Like It was like legit. Like his contract was expiring and they turned it into this giant storyline with him and John Cena. And Vince McMahon got involved in everything. And it was just like some of the most riveting WWE television that was you know, given to us at a time where, like, WWE had really grown, like, I mean, it's super stale now, but, like, it was really just bland at that time where, like, it was watchable, but it was, it was also, like, nothing really juicy or entertaining is happening. And when the CM Punk stuff happened, like, this was before the network era, so it was still, like, pay-per-view, you had to pay $60, uh, $70, I think, if you buy it in high definition. So I remember, like, ordering this pay-per-view, like, I hadn't, ordered a WWE pay-per-view event in a long time. And I'm a huge diehard fan. Like, I would just, you know, read results online or whatever. But this one was, like, it had, like, an old-school feel to it. Like, what's going to happen at at this pay-per-view? Like, is CM Punk going to leave? And and if he does win, like, what happens to the championship? Like, it really had that factor that wrestling can give you sometimes where, like, you really have to tune in to see what's going to happen. And it was, like, one of those must-see events. So that pay-per-view event was going to be in Chicago. And you can search it on YouTube now. And I don't know if WWE's taking it down, but it's from their from the actual WWE YouTube page. 
It has the entire CM Punk entrance from that event. And that crowd was so loud for him to the fact that they were chanting his name over his entrance music. Like, that's how loud and how over CM Punk was. So in my head, like, okay, if he shows up here to this uh, Rampage show, could they top that? Because to me, that's like that was like a top five like crowd moment ever. And this like it's exceeded it times like a million. And I didn't think that was possible. So they don't do anything like gimmicky or you know off the wall or like try to like swerve you. Like no, the show opens up. The crowd is super hot for CM Punk at this Rampage show. Like, they're chanting his name, like, through the roof already. And not even, like, a few seconds in, his song hits. Uh, and it's Cult of Personali- Personality by uh, Living Color. And it was the theme song that he used in WWE. Like, they paid for the rights to it. And uh, and I think that band has even stated, like, it, CM Punk could have, like, that song as his entrance forever. I think he used it in UFC as well. Uh, I would have to confirm that with, like, Ryder. Um, so he comes out to that song, and, like, the crowd loses it even more. Like, they're already super hot, right? They're chanting his name like crazy. And it's like, is it going to happen? Like, it's one of those, like, you got to see it to believe it, right? So his name, the the song starts playing. Even then, like, crowd's losing it, but they still don't know if it's real until finally, like, you see his name on, on their little, like, video boards, like CM Punk. Like, he's back. And, like, there he is, comes out of the tunnel, and, like, the crowd just is just eating this up. And if you're a professional wrestler, like, and if you're watching this, you know, as a professional wrestler, like, in the back, at home or whatever, like, this is, like, the dream scenario for any wrestler is to get this kind of ovation, to to be this over with a crowd. Like, that's just the ultimate goal. More than, like, winning a championship or, you know, even in WWE terms, like, headlining a WrestleMania, like, I, I think me, if I were a professional wrestler, like, like I love playing the heel, like, on social media and even sometimes in the real world, like, like to pretend to be an asshole, like, that's just, that's a fun, hip, cool thing to do. But if you're, if you're being honest with yourself, like, everyone's got a little bit of that ego in them, I think, to some degree, like, everybody's got it, like, whether they want to admit it or not. If you're a wrestler, like, isn't that the the ultimate thing to have, like, a crowd of, like, 15,000 people, like, just, like, losing their shit over you? Like, that's, I think that's the coolest feeling in the world. And you could tell Punk took that in. Like, he was, like, almost on the verge of legit tears hearing this ovation and, and soaking it all in, soaking in the moment. And this thing goes on for, like, five, six minutes, right, of just him and his entrance and... You know, he's doing unpunk like things like, you know, he's hugging guys uh, in the crowd to the side. He's jumping into the crowd like he's air or what is it? Crowd surfing and all that stuff. Like, it's just this organic, just you could tell it's a genuine feeling like he looks so happy coming out and enjoying the crowd. And again, this goes on for five, six minutes. And then they finally like go to commercial and say like don't worry you're gonna hear from cm punk like as you heard at the beginning of the show you're gonna hear from him you've waited this long just wait a little bit more we'll be right back and when they come back the crowd's like still cheering for him and still cheering for him and still cheering from so loud and then he cuts this really like organic promo he says like he doesn't he didn't plan on anything that he was going to say because he didn't know how he was going to feel coming out and that he needed to feel the reaction which 
CM Punk's a smart guy. I know he is. He's so smart. He knew that crowd was going to be eating out of the palm of his hands. Like, he knows it. Deep down in, in his gourd, he knows that. Like, they were going to be eating out of the palm of his hands. And I'm sure, and I do this, you know, myself as well. Like, you know, you imagine, like, speaking out in front of a huge crowd. And you practice what you're going to say. And, you know, I have done, like, at work, my manager meetings. And I, I'm always practicing what I'm going to say. Like, what, what, what kind of things could I say to motivate the group and, and get my guys, you know, on the same page and stuff like that? Like, you rehearse that stuff. Like, it's just in your bones, especially, like, if you're if you're a person that likes to speak in front of crowds and, you know, have people listen to you tell stories or give a speech or whatever. So I'm sure in some way this guy, like, thought about what he was going to say. Like, you know, he hasn't been in a wrestling ring or in front of a camera in that capacity in seven years. So, yes, there's a built-up, like, anticipation for it and nervousness for it. So I'm sure... He didn't just go in there point blank, like whatever. Like it, everything's calculated in wrestling, and but he comes off genuine, and I'm I'm sure he is. Like it, it just every, the entire segment was so genuine and heartfelt, and one of those like just it was just such an out of body experience. This thing felt like it was, you know, it's in canon, like in AEW, like this is all part of it now, but this felt like so separate and different than anything AEW's done. But this is the thing that's going to catapult them. I think, in my eyes, we'll see. It remains to be seen. But this could be the real turning point to really make them make that jump into, like, the mainstream where you're going to get more eyeballs on the product, like, for mainstream. Like, because when the CM Punk thing happened in 2011 with the pipe bomb and everything, like, it really generated buzz outside of the wrestling world to the point where CM Punk was getting like offers for, you know, endorsements and all that stuff. And if you listen to his podcast with Colt Cabana, the very famous podcast where he unleashed everything on his exit from WWE, like WWE didn't want him to have any of that stuff. Right. Because I don't know. That's just, that's just the way WWE does it. Like certain people, they let get away with that, but certain people know, and I, I don't understand that. Um, but here, like in AEW, if this same opportunity happens again, you start getting like endorsements from companies or whatever, and people want to work with CM Punk and all that. Like Tony Khan and AEW need to really embrace that, and because right now, like as great as the the product is that they're giving us with the storytelling and the matches and all that, and I told this to one of my best friends, like the most important thing for them right now, yes, building new stars and all that, that's great and everything. But right now, you need eyeballs on your product. You need to grow your audience. It, it can't just be a... If you want this thing to really succeed, it can't just be a niche thing where it's only for a certain you know, crowd. Like it's This thing can't really be just for the diehard wrestling fans, which, I mean, it's going to be a destination for them. But ultimately, as a business, you want to grow, right? You want to grow your audience, right? I want to grow this podcast. I want everybody to listen to it, as much people as possible. Uh, could I tone it down on the language sometimes? Yeah, maybe so the kids can listen to it. Sure, yeah. Could I adapt and do that? Absolutely. Because that's how I'm going to grow and get more people to listen. So this is the, the, the perfect opportunity for AEW. So if CM Punk is able to generate that and generate more eyeballs, more viewers, more product endorsements, all that stuff, they got to run with this full circle because they have all the momentum right now. It's like, 
it's like that gun's being loaded and it's it's ready to be fired and just go all over the place. And I don't mean to I hate to use that gun reference, but you know what I mean, right? Like it's just it's fully loaded now and you know that's your that's your biggest star of the moment. Like you gotta run with that. So again, this segment could not have played any better on television. If you've seen it, folks, there's this incredible YouTube video. Uh, and AEW does this a lot for most of their shows where it's like, it's called road Two, and they do all these little like behind the scenes stuff. Sometimes it's to promote matches and whatnot, but this one, this particular episode was about the, the CM Punk segment alone for the most part. Um, I think there was a segment in there on Christian cage. That's besides the point. But anyways, the, the, the amazing thing of this episode was the television production on it. Like, and I'm talking from like the control room, like the producers, like, Cut to camera three, cut to camera four, you know, zoom in on Punk's face. And they're showing them, like, running this whole segment. Like, imagine doing, like, a whole show. Like, I I mean, we give credit to, like, the actors and the performers and the writers and all that stuff. But, like, for television shows, like a live TV show, like, I can only imagine, like, the people, like, at SNL and stuff. Like, that's not an easy job. And you watch this video. It's only, like, 12 minutes. But... They do this whole thing, like, and they're they're showing you this control guy, and he's he's maneuvering the entire thing, like, cut to this, cut to that, and and he's holding like a timer in his hands too, so, you know, because they're running a live TV show and it's time, you know, constrict, like they can't just run for however long they want to. So, it was amazing, but also like stressful. Like I could never see myself doing a job like that. Like that's kudos to them, and not enough credit ever goes to all these producers and control people in the back that put on wrestling shows like it's incredible like and this is on both sides like AEW and wwe like that's that's incredible like the job that they they do the presentation and all that stuff as much as we poke fun at like storyline and stuff but i don't think you could ever really poke fun well wwe you can with camera cuts but for the most part in production stuff like cutting to you know video packages and all that stuff like that's hard work, and this episode was really, like, to showcase that, which I liked. It was a different perspective while still in reliving the, the CM Punk debut through a different lens. Like, that was awesome. So, if you've seen it, and like me, I've seen, like, the CM Punk thing over and over, like, about a million times on YouTube and rewatching it on my DVR. But then I saw this Road 2 thing, and... It's just, man, it just made the moment even bigger. And this is like a top five, like, I think for me, and I don't think I'm prisoner of the moment, and I've been watching professional wrestling for almost 25 years now. And I mean, God God bless, like, my fandom, the age of it, like, it's old enough to drink now. That's how long I've been a wrestling fan, like, for almost 25 years. Like, that's, that's how long I've been watching it. But, you know, and... I don't consider myself an historian, but I do like to go back and watch. Because I started watching in 1997, right? Like, right when the Attitude Era was kicking off. But, you know, as the years went on, I went back to watch, like, the early 90s and all that stuff. And not just WWE, but WCW and, you know, the NWA, all that stuff. I went to learn all of that stuff and rewatch, you know, just to, to become more of a big fan of the product. Just to, I love to be an, a historian on that. Like, I don't. 
I love the NFL, but I don't know the entire history of it. Like, and I don't think I would want to dive into that stuff. It doesn't interest me as much. But professional wrestling, yes. Anything that, as far back as I can go, like, and learn something about, like, it's great. Like, I'm always open to that. This CM Punk thing has got to be, like, in the top ten, like, greatest things to ever happen in professional wrestling. Because, again, this is coming at a time where, like, there really needs to be, like, a second brand to, like, really compete with the, the likes of WWE. Because WWE has been on top for so long. I think it's been, like, over 20 – oh, it's 20 years to – not to the day, but to the year when – when WWE purchased WCW and there wasn't like legit, no competition anymore. It was just them. And they had to find competition within themselves. And even that they've screwed that up so many times that we finally have like this other company that's building itself. And you have a guy in CM Punk who could have been that for WWE. They could have had, they had their next John Cena, their next Austin, their next rock. Like they had them right there and they fucked it all up. And all because, like, they just didn't see anything in him. Like, they didn't want him to be the guy, even though the crowd was telling you otherwise. Like, But it now he's in a place where I think he's going to be able to maximize his popularity to the fullest degree. He's going to be able to... I mean, he reached incredible heights in WWE, but even then, I still think that wasn't his fullest potential. And I know he's older now. But he's also been away for seven years, so his body's not as beat up or would be beat up if he were, like, let's say he was still doing wrestling like outside of WWE, like small independent markets or whatever. I don't think his body would be in good shape anymore. But I think with that rest and that healing, I think it's going to be good for him. And, you know, we can call it like the, I know they, they dubbed this Rampage show the first dance, but this is like really like the first of the final part of his prime, like where he can have a, an amazing like final run, like Shawn Michaels did, and that Shawn Michaels run rat lasted for like ten years. And I don't think it's going to be that long. Like I think it's CM Punk. I think it knows like this is not going to be like a long thing, but he is signed for a while, so he's going to be a regular character on the programs and on the pay per views. So he's going to be around for a while, but I don't think it's going to be like that. But in terms of like match quality promos, you know, in the mainstream, like, he'll, you know, get endorsements or whatever. I would love to see, like, you know, whatever, like a commercial for Pepsi and he comes out. You know what I mean? Like, just things like that. You're going to get to see CM Punk finally be utilized and be treated as the biggest star we all, as all of us as fans know that he could be. So that's going to be freaking awesome. And again, I'm not being prisoner of the moment when I say that this moment from Rampage on Friday was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in pro wrestling. Just in over, in presentation, in Punk's delivery of everything that he said. One of my favorite things that he said in this thing, and this just goes to life in general, whether, you know, it's a job or a relationship or, you know, whatever. He talks about he apologizes to the fans, and he owes nobody really an apology, right? It's his life. It's his decisions on what he wants to do. Like, we have no right to tell him otherwise, even though we, we want him so much to, to be a pro wrestler because that's what we love to see him do. Um, he said he had to step away. Like, he, he understood if we were upset with him or disappointed or frustrated or whatever. 
but he wanted to let us know that from his point of view that he was never, and these were his words, he was never going to heal physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, staying in the same place that got him sick in the first place. And it was like, man, wow, like as somebody who's dealt with like depression and all that stuff and having to step away to really, you know, just get a different perspective and just heal in all aspects. Like I, I really took that to heart and that was so such a powerful statement for him in the way he said it. Like, yeah, it was a dig at WWE, but it was also just like it's also just in life in general. Like if you're in a place, whatever it is, and you're not able to heal like the way you want to and, and, and be able to move on like yeah you gotta step away like and do all that because you're just gonna continue to get more sick and sick so i totally understood that and i think deep down i i didn't why well, didn't like no but i always thought like if punks just stays away for a while I, i'm sure he had a lot of shit to deal with I think at some point I could have seen him make a comeback in wrestling. It wasn't like, oh, man, I'm never going to see him again. Like, I was like, never. It's always never say never in wrestling. You can never say never. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's back. And he's going to wrestle September 5th in Chicago against the up-and-comer in AEW. His name is Darby Allen, who's been one of the standouts, one of the fresh faces in professional wrestling that is just – you know, he's just so entertaining to watch. Like, he's been paired up with Sting, the legendary, the icon Sting. And that's just brought up his character even more and given him more of an aura. Uh, and I, I mean that in terms of Darby Allen, Like, it's just elevating him and his mythos. And, you know, having CM Punk like a, a veteran. Punk's been around for a long time. Like, even before his days of WWE. Like, I'm not even, like, the biggest... CM Punk fan, meaning like I never watched him in his indie runs before. I, I mean, I only I only know him as CM Punk when he debuted in WWE in 2006. That's the only way I know Punk. Like, that's okay. Like, but yeah, like he's been around a very long time, so he's a an established veteran, and he's going to be such a huge presence for that locker room there with the, all of that young talent, and he's going to be able to help mold them and lead them. And they're all just going to work together as a team to make that product bigger and better. And that's what you want to do, right? You want to grow that product. And that's what CM Punk is there for. For the eyeballs. He's He also said, like, he's back for himself, too. But it's because he wants to work with that young talent and just elevate professional wrestling. Like, let's get it back to maybe not what it was in the Attitude Era where it's all over the place. But, like, you know, maybe we can get it close to. You know, there hasn't been this much buzz or talk about wrestling in the mainstream that I can remember, like, in a very long time, like, where it's all over, like, the media outlets variety and, you know, the Hollywood Reporter, all that stuff, like, and this includes WWE. So, again, I want it to all be good. I want it to all be out there for everyone to, you know, dip their toes into it if you've never watched wrestling. Even if you think it's silly silly and goofy, I, I promise you, folks, watch AEW, like, it's not the silliness you see on WWE. I mean, you get some of it, but for the most part, it's a really entertaining watch. And if if you don't, if you've never seen it, like I, I at least like broaden your horizons a little bit. Like open up, watch an episode of that. And I promise you, 
you'll at least be entertained by 80% of it. But that's just me. Um, let's shift to, real quickly, I wanted to do a top five CM Punk matches to get you guys your appetites ready for CM Punk's return to the ring at All Out coming in about two weeks in Chicago at All Out against Darby Allen. So again, I only know CM Punk from his days of WWE. And uh, I've been on the hunt. I'm a physical media guy. I like to go, you know, treasure hunting, Easter egg hunting for like all these physical media, whether it be VHS, DVD, Blu-rays, 4Ks, you know, whatever. Um, I'm trying to save some extra money. There's some Ring of Honor DVDs that I found at a, a store called Movie Exchange or DVD Exchange. It's, it has all these different names. Anyways, it's here in San Antonio. There's a couple of Ring of Honor DVDs, but man, they're priced at like 60 bucks a piece. And a lot of them got CM Punk, or I think pretty much all of them have CM Punk matches in it. And I'm like, man, if I can save up some extra money, and I know I probably shouldn't be spending on that, but I'm trying to, you know, anything CM Punk now is going to just be worth a lot more, and that includes anything WWE-wise, like action figures, Funko Pops, whatever. Anything of CM Punk is going to be, you know, of high value now. Like, he has a... I think he only ever had one documentary put out on home video for WWE. It was called The Best in the World. Uh, I found that on Blu-ray, like, not too long ago for, like, a steal at, a, like, a thrift store for, like, five bucks. Like, I had to scoop that up, like, because it's hard to find now. It's it's one of those, like, those hidden gems. So anything that I can get my hands on CM Punk-wise, I'm going to try to. So, yes, those Ring of Honor DVDs are out there, and hopefully I'll get my hands on them sooner or later. And I can watch some of those matches and get learn more about the history of CM Punk. Again, I'm not like he's one of my favorites, but like I don't know all of his history and I haven't seen all of his stuff. But this is my top fives for John Cena. I mean, for John Cena, for CM Punk. And again, most most of all of these they're just WWE matches, but they're very good. And uh, so number five, um. CM Punk versus Randy Orton from WrestleMania 27. Really underrated matchup. Uh, obviously overshadowed by Cena, Miz, and The Rock. The return of The Rock at that point. He was the host. But every every WrestleMania, there's always one match that goes like under the radar and is like sneaky good. And that was this one. This is the one that that ends with the famous like CM Punk uh, getting RKO'd as he's trying to do like an elbow or whatever and Orton catches him like in the middle and like it's just a great ending and it was a really really fun match so check that out it's Wrestlemania 27 um a couple of these are going to be Wrestlemania so um yeah so that one you can check out on Peacock or if you're lucky enough like me I do own the 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 Blu-ray so if you can find it there on physical media it's one of those that you can check out uh number four is another Wrestlemania match WrestleMania 29 against The Undertaker. Uh, this was just, wow, like, Undertaker had just had, like, these so-called, like, epics with Triple H, or back-to-back, you know, epics with Triple H, which I thought they were all right. The, 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 the two years prior before that was Shawn Michaels, and those matches were pretty good, especially the one at WrestleMania 25. Um, but then there's this one at 29 with, uh, 
with CM Punk, and it's like CM Punk's like at a point in his career where he's like just so pissed off that he's not the main event of Mania. And if you've listened to his podcast, he's like, I'm going to wrestle that match with like a chip on his shoulder. And, uh, he does. And, and it's just one of those like amazing, like you knew he wasn't going to win because it's the Undertaker and it's the streak, but CM Punk made it so engaging. And that's just, that's just how good he is. Like he'll, he'll, whatever he's given, he's going to make it the absolute best and make sure that you don't forget it. And for sure, for that WrestleMania, and that was the build to John Cena versus The Rock 2. And again, it was overshadowed by how great that CM Punk match was with uh, The Undertaker. So that's my number four matchup. Uh, number three is uh, the Money in the Bank matchup with John Cena. I talked about that earlier for the WWE Championship. Again, what was more special about this was the aura surrounding it. It's like, well, what's going to happen uh, is he going to leave? Is he going to, is he going to lose? Like, you know, and just leave the company and that be whatever. But when you took away all of that, you stripped all that away. Like it was just a really good, fun wrestling match. And John Cena, like he gets a lot of shit for not being a good wrestler. But if you look at a lot of the classic WWE matches, at least from the modern era, like John Cena's in them, you know, you look at the ones with AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels and, you know, whoever he's pretty good in those situations like he's been dubbed big match john by uh john bradshaw layfield and like it's true like he doesn't get the credit he deserves but on that night it was cm punk's night and all the energy and momentum was towards him and again more in history wise the aura surrounding the match was more bigger than the match itself but the match was actually really good also so check that one out on the network i think you can also find it on youtube um so that's my number three. Number two is a little pay-per-view called Over the Limit 2012. CM Punk's the WWE champion defending against Daniel Bryan. Now, if you're a wrestling, wrestling, wrestling diehard, wrestlers, fan, or whatever, how you want to coin it. Um, like, if you're a fan of, like, just technical, like, just guys, just the best at their craft, and two guys that are more perfect for each other in the ring. I'm talking like this is CM Punk and Daniel Bryan were like, and I still think to this day, there are modern day Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Like they're so different in styles, but yet when you put them together, it's freaking magic. And they had, they had a little run for the championship in 2012 where Daniel Bryan was feuding with Punk. And uh, they had a couple of matches, but I think this was the best one. I think it's almost like 20, 25 minute matchup. And it's just like a classic, like, who would have ever thought that these guys would be battling for the WWE championship? Like, these are just the most non WWE guys in terms of Vince's mentality, right? Of what he thinks superstars are. But I guess fans, like, they just ate the shit out of this matchup. Like, they just love, they love both guys, even though Daniel Bryan was the heel in this storyline, but these guys just worked their asses off and it wasn't even the main event which sucked like that should have been the main event for the championship just goes to show you what vince mcmahon thought of cm punk as as heavyweight champion of the world but this was like miles and miles better than anything else on that show and from a wrestling standpoint uh it's the best one uh in terms of technicality and and just you know two guys at the top of their form and I can see them wrestle like over and over and over. 
And there's even rumors of Brian Danielson possibly going to AEW. And I hope at some point that they hook up, like build up to it. But I want them to hook up and have another match again. Because if you do it in 2021, this was back in 2012. And the fans enjoyed it then. But if you put these two in a matchup together in front of an AEW crowd, where like the fans are now even smarter to the work rate, I think it's just going to be like ultimate chef's kiss. Um, and it could be like a landmark match for AEW, even though like those guys made it in another place. But you know what I mean? Like the AEW still needs to have like a, a landmark match like that. So hopefully if the rumors are true and Brian Danielson ends up going to AEW, we'll see that matchup. That's number two. Number one, and this has been, this made my, my top 10 and it was my number one for my favorite wrestling match of the decade. Now we're in 2021, so we just started a whole new decade. So this was my number one of the of the past decade. And that was from SummerSlam 2013, The Beast versus The Best, Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk. To me, this is what pro wrestling is all about. Like it was all these different styles. Like Lesnar's like a just a heavy hander, like just in your face, like throwing you around, like street fighter. And you got this punk guy who's like, you know, he's technical and masterful and, you know, he can beat you in so many ways. And it was all these different styles. And it was like, I think it was no holds barred also. So there was weapons involved and it wasn't like, it wasn't overly violent, but it was violent enough. And, and like, there wasn't blood or anything like that. But you know what I mean? Like, but. For WWE standards of how violent the match could be, like this was so perfectly done. The story was good. The two guys were like so into it. And like Brock Lesnar, for as good as I think he is for WWE, there's times where like you could tell in storyline, like he doesn't really give a shit about the match and he's just like phoning it in. But you can tell here, like he's really trying and he's having like a hell of a time working with CM Punk. And I know these guys like each other, so. I'm sure they mapped out a lot of their stuff, and it was just, oh, the match is so good, and the crowd is so hot for it. It's the co-main event, and I think that what was the main event on that show? John Cena versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship, but this was the co-main event, and it was, like, so perfect. It was built up perfectly, and uh, I wish CM Punk could have at least had the chance to win this match, because by then... This was the point where CM Punk was, was putting everybody else over, and they weren't giving him any wins, so it's like, this was like the... This was probably the last great match he had in WWE. Like, I'm sure there were some others, but this was the one that really stood out to me as being, like, the last great, like, holy shit, like, CM Punk, like, in the prime run of his WWE uh, career, like, this was it. And it couldn't have been with a more interesting opponent where it could have, they could have easily done this type of matchup where Lesnar just dominated the shit out of Punk and just beating him and beating him and then, you know, wouldn't have had a chance to do anything and Brock Lesnar beats him. Well, he did, but in this match, Punk got to get his stuff in on two and make Lesnar, like, you know, get dinged a couple of times. Like, it was great. This is just a fantastic pro wrestling match. Um, this one's available fully on YouTube. I rewatched it there. Like, it popped up in one of my, like, videos as I was watching something and then it popped up. Up next is the CM Punk Brock Lesnar full match. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'll watch that. So it's on there on YouTube if you want to check it out. To me, it's, it was my favorite match of the decade of this past decade from 2000 to 2000 or 2010 to 2019. It was my number one match of the decade. So check it out. 
and check out all these matches if you really want to get a feel for what CM Punk is all about, or if you're a diehard fan and you just want to relive stuff. Like it's not a it's not a back pick here from my crop of matches that I listed for you. So those are my top five CM Punk matches. I know again most of them are WWE. And those of you who are listening, if you're tired, oh, we're just Ring of Honor stuff, whatever. Like, I, I'll get there, folks. Like, I'm gonna, I, I'm never a finished product, okay? I'm always, I'm trying to learn more. And again, I'm saving to try to get those Ring of Honor DVDs. Hopefully they're still there by the time I save up my little monies to go buy that. But anyways, um, let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about Spider-Man. No way out. The trailer's officially out. Finally, we're only, what, two months away from release? No, I'm just kidding. I think we're like three or four. But anyways, we're 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 you know getting close uh, to the finish line here with this movie getting released. You're gonna get my thoughts on the trailer, and we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been a CM Punk heavy episode, the best in the world. But thank you guys. We come back. We got one more segment, and we'll finish it up. So we'll be right back. I was out here looking for Candyman. What's Candyman? Candyman is very scary. Terrifying. Haunting it. Creepy. Candyman is real oppression. Retribution. Dramatic. Racism in America. Candyman is storytelling. Provocative. Macabre. Influential. Smart. Powerful. Very ambitious. Candyman is brilliant. Topical. Grounding. Daring. Fresh. Horrifying. Candyman is the patron saint of the urban legend. Welcome back to the show, and Candyman is in theaters this Friday. Uh, Lord knows we need a hit at our theaters. Uh, I think this is going to be really good for our demo. Like horror movies usually do tend to do pretty well, and this looks to be like the first really good horror movie of the fall season. Um, we had a couple over the summer, but uh, they were like hit and miss. I think the last big one was The Conjuring, and even then that one dipped really quickly. Uh, this one might stick around for a while, hopefully. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks at the box office. Free Guy was number one again, and number two is Paw Patrol, which actually surpassed expectations, even though that one is also available to stream on Paramount Plus. So that's uh, that's good for my business, right? So, uh, but a couple of little news bits uh, here and there. There's like rumblings about Venom, Let There Be Carnage, possibly being delayed to 2022. Uh, CinemaCon is going on right now, where they're unveiling like a lot of stuff for upcoming movies like you know the first trailer for the matrix which is now subtitled resurrections um the first trailer was shown for that you know they screened ghostbusters afterlife for the audience and just for the record you know uh for my company i just want to say like i think i would be the most deserving to go visit a cinema con you got your biggest diehard movie fan in the company like i think i would be a good represent representative for the company to go to that event just one day in my <laughs> once in my life I'd love to go visit that event CinemaCon. Um but yeah, all those rumblings there and um <laughs> what I wanted to talk about real quickly the trailer or teaser trailer which usually comes like months almost a year before uh but it's it finally dropped uh yesterday uh, Spider-Man No Way Out um, and yes, I'm going to keep calling it No Way Out. Uh, I've already explained why I'm calling it that. So if you don't understand the joke, like too bad for you. Um, but I know what it's really called. Anyways, finally came out. Everyone's been clamoring for it. It's like, where is the Spider-Man trailer? Are they going to release this thing with no trailer? How dare they give us Spider-Man? Um, I got to say, I wasn't, uh, wasn't really impressed with it. 
And again, it's just a trailer or whatever. Like, the movie is whatever it will be. And I'll wait for that. Like, I don't go into these Marvel movies with, like, it needs to do this. It needs to do that. Like, no, I let directors, whatever their vision is of a movie, whatever their presentation is of it, like, I, I go with it. If I don't like it, so be it. But I never go into movies with, like, it needs to do this to make me happy. Like, that's what? That's not how it should be. And I always, you know, with these comic fanboys, like, the the creators and the directors don't owe you anything. Like, And I, I guess I could say the same thing with wrestling. They don't owe me anything. But, you know, I don't throw it. I, they don't, if Becky Lynch doesn't, you know... If she doesn't go back to being a baby face, I'm all be mad. No, I'll see how it plays out. I mean, I like it, but it's not like the end all be all. You know, it's a, it's a creative vision. Like art is open for interpretation. Like let the creators create. But I had one big question coming out of out of this whole thing. So, uh, spoilers for those of you that haven't seen Spider Man Far From Home, which was part two of this new Spider Man series that they're doing, which is now connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it was revealed. The, by Mysterio and through leaked information that he leaked out that Spider-Man's Peter Parker. So everybody knows who he is. So what this trailer is selling us is that, you know, all this stuff is hitting the fan. It's affecting his friends and his family. So Peter Parker's like trying to figure out a way, like, well, what could I do to, like, remedy this situation? And, of course, he has to go and visit a character named Doctor Strange, who is just so happens to be in that world, in that universe. And, you know, because nothing can just be singular anymore. Everything has to connect, and everybody has to pop up in each other's stories. Whatever, I get it. That's what the fans love, and eat, 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 they eat all of that shit up. But I just immediately rolled my eyes. So he goes up to Doctor Strange, and this is the part where I'm like, okay, what? So he goes, he's like, can you do us? Can you do like a spell or something to make it so like nobody ever knew I was Spider Man? He's like, yeah, I can do that. And I'm like, well, if this fucker can do spells like that, then what was stopping him from being or for someone saying in Avengers Endgame like, hey, uh, or in Infinity War or whatever, like, why don't you just why can't you do a spell to like stop Thanos or something like? I don't know. It just, like, logically, it was, like, a huge plot hole. And I'm sure, like, I'm going to get annihilated by the geeks and the marks, like, telling me all the, like, just, you know, all this gatekeeping shit. Well, you don't know about this or whatever. But it's, like, what? If he can do that, how did, how could he not, like, stop Thanos or, you know, whatever, or just do something to find a way to get all the stones so that way he wouldn't get his hands on them? Like, so we're made to believe in this trailer. And, again, this could all be, like, a swerve or whatever. But what's being presented is that, like, what's being presented is that stakes don't matter anymore, right? So what they're going to do in this movie, supposedly, is, like, erase the minds of everybody that ever knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. But in doing so, they're going to fuck with the timeline, and it's going to open up the multiverse and, and all this shit or whatever. And it's and it's all cool for moments and stuff. Like, again, everybody's going to eat this fucking movie up because, supposedly, and I'm not going to reveal the whole thing but we're finally i think we're gonna get that spider-man meme where the all the spider-mans are pointing to each other or whatever and that's gonna make for a fun like ah, <laughs> crowd pleasing moment like an audience is gonna laugh and it's gonna be a rah 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 and it's gonna be like you know water cooler talk but i'm interested in like fleshed out stories and i'm like all i keep, all I keep thinking is like man like 
I miss Sam Raimi's Spider-Man stories. Like I miss, like Spider-Man Two to me is still the best Spider-Man movie ever made, aside from like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but that was like an animated film. But even then, still good. But to me, Spider-Man Two from Sam Raimi was like just top-notch filmmaking uh, in terms of like action and color. Like it, it's a very colorful movie. Like you look at this uh, this uh, what is it No Way Out movie, and you have the returning uh, Alfred Molina's doc ock who is from the spider-man 2 movie which i just mentioned and there's been like compare and contrast on the internet from like how he looked in part two and in like in more color in a more colorful setting as opposed to like his first appearance here in this trailer and it's like it's just a bland background and it's like there's just no pop or circumstance to it and i'm like but i miss like the storytelling like again spider-man and i mentioned this on on my facebook page but like Spider-Man 2, like, had themes and it had stuff to say about, you know, just not just the superhero, like, world, but just, like, in life in general. Like, you know, it, it really balanced uh, could could you be a superhero but also, like, you know, win the love of your life? Could you have the best of both worlds? And that movie tried to show you, like, no, you can't. Like, sometimes your destiny is greater than what you desire. And, you know, I miss stories like that, but it Again, we're in, I know we're in a different world now, and it's all about crossovers and what's the next puzzle piece. And, oh, my God, like, does this mean actually that? Or is this the villain piecing together, like, a sign in the fucking background? Like, ugh, like, it's all become, like, I've, these movies are, like, becoming work for some reason. And I don't know why. Like, instead of just giving me a fleshed-out story, it's like you're making me play a game. Like, I'm sure by the end of this movie, whenever we all see it, it's all going to be like, <gasps> Well, tune in because Doctor Strange doesn't come out too much longer later on. So, you know, you'll see more there. And here we hop off this ride into the next. And, I mean, and I enjoy these movies, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, can we get back to singular storytelling? Like, uh, like I mean, at least DC's trying to do different things. And I'm not trying to be like a stand for DC. Because, again, I, I'm telling you, I do enjoy these Marvel movies. But, like... I'm kind of like I'm over the whole like crossover and like because when I'm watching this trailer again it feels like a buddy cop like this movie's co-starring Doctor Strange like isn't this movie supposed to be about Spider-Man and now we're just opening up wormholes to the multiverse and all this other shit fine whatever like everyone's gonna eat it up and if it's for you and that's what you like cool but I'm still gonna give my opinion on it and I think it just looks so like it looks no different than Far From Home in terms of an aesthetic in terms of like, oh, like I get it with the crossover stuff, like, but can this just be about Peter Parker for once and the people around him in his world and not having to bring a Doctor Strange or the MCU, the whole thing into it? Like, it was fine for the first ten years, and we experimented and we we led it all the way to Avengers Endgame, and it was fun and it was exciting. Like, okay, cool, like. We had all that. Like, let's get back to singular storytelling. I don't know. That's just me. But, of course, I'm still going to watch the movie. Are, are you, are you going to watch the movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. <laughs> um, so calm down, geeks and marks. But, you know, I'm not just a rah-rah guy. Like, you, you, all of y'all rah-rah. You rah-rah real quick, and you don't give any real context. And if anybody gives any, you know, blowback to you guys or any form of opinion, like, it just automatically makes you a hater like no i'm just i just i just want more you know i want these movies to be more you know than just like hey like here's the next episode and 
by the way, this features Doctor Strange. Like, have it mean something. But again, that was just a teaser trailer. I'm sure we're going to get a million more now that, you know, we're what? At the end of August, this movie comes out in December. You know, fingers crossed. This thing says exclusively in theaters, so, you know, I mean, we all thought Black Widow was going to be an exclusive to theaters, and that ended up also being on Disney+. Plus. So, can't really bank on that statement right now, especially during these times, so. They can say that for now, but it's August. We'll see. We'll see what happens when we're at the beginning of December, or maybe the start of November. Maybe we'll have a better idea then. But um, yeah, I'm gonna see it. But I just wanted to give you all my thoughts real quickly on this trailer. Everyone's like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" Pump the brakes. I'm gonna give it to you real. Always gonna give it to you real. And if and if, and if I'm proven wrong, and this movie actually ends up being so fucking great and way different than what the trailer presented. I will be honest about that too. I don't shy away. I don't duck. I can admit when I'm wrong. I don't. I don't have some like ego where I'm like above it. Even though a lot of people probably think that about me, but no, come on. There's more important shit in the world than to like, you know, ne- not admit that you're wrong about a, a movie opinion. Like, come on, guys. But anyways, I, I've ranted on for so long. I've talked a lot about pro wrestling. God, I love pro wrestling. It's so good right now. Like, this is, I mean, you want to catch me at my best time right now in pop culture and all that stuff? It's this. Like, wrestling at its height. And we're, <laughs> we're going to get CM Punk back in the ring. Like, how cool is that? Becky Lynch is back. Uh, on top of that, and that should be, like, the biggest thing for me. But uh, it's it's number two. But that just goes to show you that there's so much out there. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Um, I'll be coming up later this week with uh, Abraham Trevino. We're going to debut our first episode of the spinoff show, which I won't reveal the name just yet. But that'll be on the lookout for that. That's upcoming. So there'll be another episode this week or spinoff, I should say. That's coming. Be on the lookout. Follow this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace off the top rope. Hit that follow button. I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the app. You can listen on your phone. If you're an Apple person, you got your iPhone. You got that iPhone, uh, or you got that podcast little tab. Search Palace off the top rope. Subscribe. Give me that five star review. I would greatly appreciate it as I'm trying to grow this podcast more and more. I would love to do this for a full-time job, guys. It's, it's, that's a dream, right? Just talk pro wrestling, talk movies, talk TV. All this bullshit that in the, in the grand scheme of things don't matter, but I love talking about it. Like, it would be great. Like, I, I, I'm always trying to learn, too. I'm always on YouTube, and I'm watching all these people, like, do their shows and all that stuff. And I'm just trying to learn. Like, what could I do differently? Um, I've even thought about, like, doing a a visual video of this podcast as opposed to just it only being audio but you know and i've been looking at like equipment like lighting and all that stuff so you know i'm I'm looking to adapt and evolve and stuff's in the works you know not just the the spinoff series with the football show i got something with jake ramirez that we're planning that's going to be like a youtube show so there's stuff in the works and um hopefully you guys will subscribe and um I'll get you all my link to my YouTube. Maybe I'll put it with the when I post this podcast. But, yeah, that's going to do it. And uh, I'll see you all later in the week. A lot of stuff upcoming NFLs, Fast and Furious. So, again, it's going to be so much content for that that it's I have to dedicate a spinoff show 
specifically for that. So that'll be upcoming the premiere episode this week. And yeah, CM Punk's back soon and uh, Becky Lynch is back and we'll see what movies I'm going to be reviewing upcoming soon. Uh, Stay tuned to this podcast. Other than that, have a good week. God bless you.